Good morning. Good morning. Well, somebody's raring to go. Thanks, John. Good morning to y'all. Sure is good to see you on this Sunday morning, the second Sunday of Advent, where we get to remember He came once, He's coming again. We love this time of year, be able to remember our Savior coming in the flesh, living a life that we should have lived but couldn't. He did it in our place, so that He might die in our place as a spotless Lamb of God and shed His blood for our sin that we might have life. And we are here to worship Him as Savior and Lord today. Glad you're here. <clears throat> Uh, if you're visiting with us, I want to encourage you, you could take your camera app on your phone, uh, take a picture of that scan me in the bottom left. It'll take you to an online bulletin. If you're not aware, we have an online bulletin every Sunday. got all kinds of information in it. Uh, it's got um, prayer lists, it's got sermon notes, all kinds of things in there that you can avail yourself of. But it also has, at the bottom of it, a digital connection card where you can uh, let us know that you're worshiping with us. Also, if you're online, all you'd need to do is just click on the description in the video, and there's a link there. You'll follow that. You'll find that same online bulletin. A few uh, announcements to pass along to you this morning. First of all, tonight <clears throat> at 6.30, we're, I want to invite you to come for a short Christmas movie. It's about 30 minutes long. It's called The Ride, and the subtitle of it is... Now, this is not a Hallmark movie, Michael. Now, the subtitle of it is... A Christmas parable. It's good. I've watched it. It's good. You're going to want to be here, so I hope you're able to come. That's at 6.30 tonight. Uh, then also next week on uh, Wednesday, we'll have our normal meal in the fellowship hall. But then the kids are going to have at 6.15 their Christmas program practice here in the sanctuary. So prayer meeting will have to move to James Lowe's classroom. So just make that note um, if you normally come to prayer meeting. Uh, the Christmas program will be next Sunday night at 6.30. Please make every effort to come be a part of that. And then I also want to remind you that uh, two weeks from today, Shelby and Debbie Smith, uh, Stephanie and I knew them while we were in Copper's Cove. Uh, Shelby and Debbie serve with Arctic Barnabas Ministries up in Alaska. They're going to be with us on that morning, and they're going to share about their ministry and about how God's using them uh, in Alaska. Um, does anyone have any other announcements you might want to make at this time? Any other announcements? All right, then we are going to light our Advent candles this morning. Michael and Linda and some helpers are going to come down and help light candles for us today. Just by way of reminder, I, I, I mentioned it, but... Y'all can just come right down here. Stand on the, this side of them. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Advent simply means arrival or coming. Uh, we rem remember this time of year Christ's first Advent. When he came uh, 2,000 years ago to the earth. And, and we know that he came and lived a perfect life. Died in our place was resurrected on the third day, and he ascended to heaven, and we know he's coming back. And Advent is a time of preparation. Really, I think, and I'm going to, just for a brief moment, Advent never ends for us. We're always preparing for Christ's coming. Even though we're going to put these candles away, we're always preparing for the return of our Savior, looking forward to it because we know it's a glorious future that awaits us. So we use this time to kind of pull our minds offline, our hearts offline from this busy Christmas season and point it to Christ and His future coming. And just as His first coming was glorious, His second will be glorious as well. This morning we'll do a responsive reading. So when you see the words all on the screen, there'll be leader and all. When it's all, we will all lead together <clears throat> or read together, excuse me. Last Sunday we let the candle of hope Remembering the hope which comes in Christ. Today we light the second candle of Advent, the candle of peace. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Jesus is sent by the Father to bring peace between God and man. We are caught up in a struggle, in struggle, strife, and sin. Jesus doesn't come, however, to smooth over our conflicts, nor does he come with armed might to force us to lay down our arms. Rather, he comes to die for the sins that lie at the heart of our rebellion against him. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let's stand and worship the Lord together.
wanted to remind us again about, oh, by the way, singing that one song reminds me how out of shape I am. Anybody else? I love singing that song, but I can't hold that note for that long. Glad we didn't have to call for EMS. That's why I'm out of breath right now. Well, it is that time of year when we remember how God brings his people together for the purpose of spreading the gospel around the world. As Baptists, we are steeped in state offerings, North American offerings, or, and, and, and international mission offerings. And so it's that time of the year where we are putting our collective offerings together in this church, along with other churches in the Southern Baptist Convention to hopefully reach this $185 million goal. That's, a, that, that's huge. I did remind you last week, or let you know if, in case you didn't know, that we actually exceeded the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American Missions. That, I don't know that I've ever heard that before. Maybe it's happened. Um, but I, I pay more attention now. Um, at any rate, $185 million, and I pray that we reach that. 100% of the gifts that we give are used... Uh, exclusively for the missions work as the Lord does the IMB around the world. Our church goal is $6,500. And at this point, unless any more has been given, um, you saw in the bulletin we've given $800. And I do want to encourage you. I know there's a lot of places that money tends to go this time of year. But uh, I encourage you. Last week we watched a video. We're about to watch one now. And it just really gets us, it got me fired up that uh, the Lord is doing great work. And if I can't go, I want to send my money to people who are going. They're giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. So we're going to watch a video today, and, uh, and then we'll continue our worship. It's been a tough year. Famine and disease. Political strife. Security barricades have apparently been breached outside the Capitol building. Economic hardships. Natural disasters. It's been a tough, hard, relentless year. But the challenges of today do not define us. We know the glorious and victorious ending to the grand narrative that transcends the earth, all time, all things. The loudest voices may take the day, but the meek shall inherit the earth. Disease and pandemic may ravage, but he will wipe away every tear. Lockdowns and travel bans may ensue, but his purposes cannot be thwarted. Men and women may fail, morally, spiritually, miserably, but the light overcomes the darkness. The heartbeat of God's people is the vision he's given us in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold... A great multitude that no one could number. From every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Hear the echoes of the saints who have gone before us. The giants whose shoulders we now stand upon. It's a groundswell of ascent, a solidarity born of one accord, a consensus worthy of pursuit. We are united for the sake of this cause to see the world transformed by the gospel. The name of Jesus proclaimed in every corner of the earth. We will not let the hands, the voice, the lies of a defeated enemy divide us. Together, we will advance the kingdom of God. We give ourselves to this mission every day. Micah chapter 5. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, 
from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the ruler's brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God. They will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. We're going to sing this song, and we cannot sit while we're singing it. So let's stand together. Testament to the New Testament, there were 400 years that God's voice was not heard. And I think of this sometimes, and I think about Jesus Christ as a young boy, hearing the songs of the people saying, Emmanuel, come to us, the one who is promised, come. Jesus saying, I'm here. And a lot of times we hear this song and we think to ourselves, what a sad, depressing song, but it wasn't. Because the Bible says over and over and over, when God's people cried out to him, he heard them. And so now when we see all the troubles and the struggles of our world and the sin that plagues us, And we say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the moment, we are sad. But hope says, God heard them. So let's sing this out to God in hope, knowing that one day he will return and all of this will be fixed and made.
invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 67 and read all the way through verse 69. Um, as I did last week, um, just for the Christmas season, I just felt like it was a good idea to use the King James Version. If you didn't bring it that with you today, you should have a an NASB somewhere around you in the pew. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, if you'll just turn to the back of the, the Bible to the New Testament, find page 44, you'll be at Luke chapter 1. Um, the title of this morning's message is The Weary World Rejoices, The Way of Peace. So if you would please um, stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> this is Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, and this is God's Word. 
And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hands of, hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the Most High, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this day, for this season of the year, uh, for the glory that it focuses us on. We are thankful for these stories in Luke of faithful people who saw your work and were so overcome by the glory of that work that their hearts just simply overflowed. And we're thankful for what Zechariah had to say to us. So much is here, Father, that demonstrates your glory, your faithfulness, just like James said, when God, when, when you speak, you follow through. And Zechariah understood this. Help us to understand that, Father. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is probably a familiar passage of, of Scripture to you. Um, at least I hope it is. Um, this is the passage of Scripture, you know, when, when John was born, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, when he was born um, on the eighth day, um, Elizabeth and Zechariah took the baby, John the Baptist, to the temple like they were supposed to do uh, and to give an offering for him. And then also <clears throat> he would be circumcised and he would receive his name. Uh, and if you look in the previous verses, you'll find uh, that Zechariah, um, in, in, in the King James, he's called Zacharias. When I say Zechariah, same person. Um, Zechariah, um, when he had been promised by the angel Gabriel that Elizabeth was going to have a baby and he kind of struggled with believing it, he wasn't allowed to speak until John came. And so when it was time to name the baby, they assumed that he would name the baby um, Zechariah. Um, but he said, no, that's not what we want the baby's name to be. Uh, Elizabeth said, his name's going to be John. And and they turned to Zechariah and said, you don't, you don't have anybody in your family named John. And they gave him something to write on, and he wrote out, his name shall be John. And at that moment, his tongue was loosed. Um, it, he had been unable to speak up till that moment. And all of that that he had been thinking of, plus the, the empowering and the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, he just overflowed. And so that, that is this, that's what we're looking at today. Um, and it's truly a remarkable text. To kind of give you an idea, <laughs> uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here, um, of how remarkable this is. I want to open with this. Uh, the man that you see on the screen, his name is Benoit Mandelbrot. Benoit Mandelbrot. And, and you probably noticed that there, that there is a math equation. It's a function um, on the screen. And again, I'm going to show my ignorance because, and I'm going to hear about it when I get home, this math teacher here. Uh, but Mandelbrot was a mathematician, um, and he studied back in the 80s this particular function. Um, and what, how this works is um, you, do, you put values in, uh, in the places of x and c. And so x is a variable, it's going to change. c is a constant, it's going to remain the same. And so you put a value of x and a value of c in there, you perform the function, and then you can plot it on some coordinates. Um, and then you put the answer to that into the formula again, and you just keep doing it. 
The answer you get, you put it in the formula again. The answer you get, you put it in the formula again. And do it over and over and over. And as he studied this, he noticed something. He noticed that sometimes that when he ran the function with certain numbers, the numbers would kind of bounce all over the place, sometimes make even beautiful patterns, stars, swirls. And then other times, when they, they, would, they would just kind of remain around one point. And, and at other times, when he would run the function with other numbers, the numbers would go all over the place and then zoom. They'd go off to infinity. And so what he discovered was, and he represented this graphically, something called the Mandelbrot set. So if, if you see um, the black there, you have to imagine, and I'm going to try to see if I can do this. Like zeros like right in here, and then there's a, a line right here. That's the imaginary, line, imaginary numbers. And then this line right here, those are real numbers. Okay? Um, and so um, when he graphed this, he realized that all the numbers in the black, they would kind of stay around. And the numbers outside the black, they would, at some point, they would go, shoo, just go off into infinity. So they graphed this. And what you see is the Mandelbrot set. So when he ran that function with some numbers and they kind of stayed around in the black, well, he just colored it that way. And again, I'm, I'm so ignorant of this, but it's fascinating to me, math and science, numbers. Um, and if you even, and I'm going to show you this. I told you how there were times when, when he noticed that some of the coordinates in the black when he plotted, ran the function and plotted it, they would make stars and swirls. But you even, when you get on the edges, you see there's different colors. Watch what happens. I'm going to put this in motion. And you'll see this shape, and it's going to zoom in. Watch what happens. Look at the edges. As you keep zooming in, you'll notice... Some familiar shapes. You'll notice there's some order. They're doing things that look like horse, uh, you know, the seahorse tails. You keep zooming in and you see that Mandelbrot set familiar shape again like we just started out with. And you keep zooming in and you keep zooming in and you'll see that there's places where there's not a lot of black and then all of a sudden there is a spot that will appear and it's completely black. And that's a Mandelbrot set within the Mandelbrot set. Now, I hope you enjoyed that. (laughs) <laughs> because I, thir- I think that is so incredibly fascinating. Now, why in the world would I spend the time to bring this up? I want to tell you this. Zechariah's prophecy is a lot like the Mandelbrot set. It really is. The deeper you look into it, the more layers of unbelievable detail you find. And there's lots of stuff going on. You know, when we zoomed into the edges... You saw there were swirls. There's lots of stuff going on there. But it's always according to the design of the equation. Zechariah's prophecy, when when, when he's prophesying, it's always according to what God has done, what God has designed. And I want to tell you, Christmas gives us a time when we can sit down with lost people and talk to them about faith. And I want to tell you, you can take this prophecy right here, And you can sit down with a lost person and use this text to explain the basic storyline of the Old Testament and why Jesus had to come. Now, for our purposes today, I want to make this statement. Just like the Mandelbrot set, the black part there, that it's really only in the set, really, truly, if it's in, in the black, peace is only found within the boundaries of God's covenant. People look for peace everywhere. But it's only found within the boundaries of God's covenant. Peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And we, to, to help us understand that peace is not so much the absence of conflict, when we understand shalom, we need to understand that what is really meant here is wholeness and integrity. Wholeness and integrity. By wholeness, I mean this. Hebrews would understand that a person who is at peace with God was fully alive. Fully alive. Um, When I say fully alive, I'm not talking about heart beating, lungs, uh, breathing, uh, brain uh, activity. I'm talking about a person who is spiritually alive to God. 
tries to give all themselves to God. That's, that's integrity. They're fully devoted to God. And peace is not only on a personal level, because we do want peace within ourselves, but it's also peace interpersonally. What uh, interpersonally I mean between man and man, and also between God and man. Now we know, if we know our Bibles, this is how we were created and what we were created for. Look in verses 74 and 75. It says that he would grant to, uh, unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That's what we were created for. And so before sin entered the world, we naturally walked, as he says in verse 79, in the way of peace. We naturally walked that way with wholeness and integrity both personally and interpersonally. But we all know how the story goes. We lost that peace in Eden. And it affected all that we are. We're no longer, as sinful people, as lost people, no longer whole. No longer people of integrity, fully devoted to God. Instead, we have a depraved mind, a deceitful and wicked heart, sinful flesh, which is to say our bodies, and lost souls. And we're no longer able to walk in the way of peace. Peace is only found in God. I'll say this probably a number of times, but people look for peace everywhere. Now we as Christians, we understand we say peace is only found in God. We know what we're talking about. Now you say to someone on the street, peace is found only in God, and they might have their own depiction, their own, as you want to put it, mental graven image of the God that they have conceived. But for our purposes, and also for anyone here who may not be a believer, anyone online who's not listening, we say peace is found in God. This particular text tells us a lot about the God that we're referring to when we say peace is only found in God. We were to say, peace is only found in God, and and then ask someone, well, which God? The text talks to us about this. It's it's the triune God. The triune God is referenced here in this text. You look in verse 68. It says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. I think it's talking about the Father there also in verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God. That's God the Father. But then verse 76, it says, And thou, child, which is talking about John the Baptist. This is Zacharias speaking to, um, to his son. Of course, he's an infant, but uh, speaking prophetically. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord. That, that's talking about Christ, the Son. He's also in verse 76, I'm sorry, verse 78, the day spring from on high. You, we sing... O come, O come, Emmanuel, we may not understand what day spring means. It simply means the rising sun. But verse 78 refers to, to God the Son. And then in verse 67, right off the bat, it says, And the, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. So peace is only found through the triune God. Peace is only found in God the revealed God we see in this text how God has revealed himself. We understand that the Old Testament is divided into sections. The law, the prophets, and what's also known as the Psalms or or writings. And the law is alluded to here in verse 68. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. That's an allusion to Exodus. That God visited, and they said that in Exodus. Blessed be the God of Israel, for he's redeemed us. He visited us. Verse 68, where it says, his people. We know that not all people on the earth were God's people, but God chose Abraham and said, through your seed, all the people of the world will be blessed. That's in Genesis. Then also we're reminded that in Genesis 3, God told the serpent, I will put enmity between your seed, the serpent, and the woman's seed. 
So there's the seed of the serpent, and then there's God's people who are the seed of the woman. Verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. That talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in Genesis. Again, verse 73, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. Again, Genesis, verse 74, that he would grant to us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. When God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, he said, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may go and serve me in the wilderness. So there's an allusion to Exodus. Verse 75, he says, and I'll pick up on the last part of verse 74, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. When God brought his people unto himself at Mount Sinai, he told them that you're going to be to me a kingdom of priests. And priests were called to walk in holiness and righteousness before God. He said, you'll be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So we can see that the law, that section of the Bible is, is here. There's story here, but then there's also the prophets. Verse 69, he refers to the Lord's servant, David. David's story is in the prophets section of the Bible. It's actually in the former prophets, which starts in 1 Samuel, but it's in the prophets. Then verse 70 mentions, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets. And then verse 76, speaking about John the Baptist, Zechariah says, you shall be called the prophet of the highest. To go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. That's Malachi. So we find the prophets here as well. The law, the prophets. And then we also find an allusion to, or actually a direct quotation from the writings. Particularly the book of Psalms. Now, you may not know this, and I didn't know this for a long, long time. So there's no shame in not knowing. The entire book of Psalms is divided into five books. And books one through four, all, and this is how um, scholars kind of figured out that how to divide it into books. At the end of each of those four books, the first four, not the fifth one, it says something to this effect. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. At the end of every, uh, the first four books of the book of Psalms. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. So here in this text, we have how God revealed himself in the law and the prophets and the writings. He's also the active God. He's active in his plan of redemption. He promised back in Genesis that the seed of the woman, talking about Christ, would come and bruise the serpent's head. He was active in calling Abraham to leave his people and go to a place that God would show him. He was active when he redeemed his people out of Egypt. He was active when he made them his people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests at Sinai. He was active when he raised up a king for them, when he sent prophets to them to call them to repent. And he was active with hope. He left them with hope at the end of the Old Testament in Malachi that another Elijah would come and he would go before the face of the Messiah. He's also the blessed God. You notice in verse 68, the use of the word blessed. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. That word simply means praiseworthy. Praiseworthy in his person and in his ways is the Lord God of Israel. And John talks about the glories of God. I'm sorry, not John. Zechariah talks about the glories of God in this text. He talks about God being transcendent. Verse 76 is the highest. He's also, verse 78, the day spring from on high. But not only is he transcendent, he's imminent. He's the God who, verse 68, hath visited 
and redeemed his people. He's come near. He says that also in verse 78. The day spring from on high hath visited us. He's not a far off God. He's a God who comes near. And when he comes near, he seeks. It's not just to pay a visit. It's to come and seek and save the lost. He's a strong God. Verse 69, Zechariah says, He hath raised up an horn of salvation. The horn was a symbol of strength. He's a gracious God. Verse 74, that He would grant unto us. That He would give us the grace, the gift of being delivered out of the hand of our enemies and being able to serve Him. He's merciful. Verse 72 and 78 mentions God's mercy. That we don't get what we really deserve. He's compassionate. That word in verse 78 says, Though the tender mercy, uh, through the tender mercy of our God. That word tender comes from this weird Greek word, splankna. It means bowels. When Jesus was moved with compassion, he was moved in his splankna. Talks about tender mercy. It's not just a, oh, I kind of feel bad for that person. It's a deep-seated, compassionate uh, feeling in the, in the depths of his soul. God is compassionate. God is light, verse 79. says, to give light to them. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. We remember from the Old Testament that God gave the people of Israel in the Exodus, in the wilderness, a pillar of light to guide them. He's a saving God. Verse 16, Zechariah, I'm sorry, 68. Zechariah says, He redeemed. Verse 79, 69 and 77, He speaks of salvation. Verse 71, saved. Verse 74, delivered. Verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He's a faithful and loving God. That word in verse 72 and 78 for mercy is the the Hebrew word hesed, which means covenant love. He remembers his covenant, verse 72. He's sovereign. It says in verse 72, to perform. God is able to do all His holy will. And that God also is holy. God is holy. He delivers people from their sin. Finally, peace is only found in the covenant-keeping God. Verse 68, he's called the Lord God of Israel. That word Lord, it corresponds to Yahweh, which is God's covenant name. Verse 72, he follows through in his covenant to perform the mercy he promised to the fathers. Verse 69 refers to God's covenant with David. Verse 72, the covenant that was made with Abraham that was passed through the fathers. Verse 72 is holy covenant. Verse 73, that God swore His covenant by an oath. And the covenant might result in people serving Him without fear and holiness and righteousness all the days of their lives. I think this is an allusion to even the new covenant where God puts a new heart and a new spirit in people and writes His law on their hearts. You see, God made promises and covenant with His people. He planned out how He was going to make good on those promises, and He performed all that was necessary to bring all of those promises to fruition. So peace is only found not only with God, but in covenant with God. Peace is found in salvation. That's a central theme in this section. In verse 71, Zechariah says, we're saved from our enemies. Or in verse 74, delivered out of the hand of our enemies. What enemies are we talking about here? Well, there's the serpent. God's people have always had an enemy in the serpent. Not only the serpent, but the seed of the serpent. God told uh, the, the serpent, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. And those seed of the serpent, they have names. The Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Midianites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans. But that was not truly the greatest enemy of God's people. The greatest enemy of God's people was their sins. That's why he says in verse 79, to to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins. That's the real enemy. 
Our enemy was darkness and death, being dead in trespasses and sin, verse 79. And I think our enemy was even ourselves, in that we were unable to walk in the way of peace that God had created us for. Ultimately, though, our greatest enemy was God. We needed to be saved from our sin so that we might not have to suffer His wrath. Salvation comes when God, in verse 79, through Christ gives light to them who sits in darkness and in the shadow of death. Peace with God only comes, in verse 77, through the remission of sins. Remission is a King James word for forgiveness. But in Hebrews 9.22, it says this, And almost all things are purged by, by the law, I'm sorry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Well, there's no shed blood without a lamb to sacrifice. But we have Christ, the incarnation. He is the one that God sent, who visited us. He is God with us. God come near. So in God's infinite wisdom, He chose to save not with a wave of the hand, and a declaration from heaven, but by coming near to those he would save. Only shed blood from a spotless lamb will atone for sin, and Jesus was that spotless lamb. His blood was shed at Calvary, and the resurrection demonstrated that his shed blood fully atoned for the sin that damned us. There's peace not only in salvation, but there's also peace in service. Remember before Adam and Eve fell, they were in a right relationship with God, wholeness, integrity, and they served Him. So yes, we want to be saved, but God saves us for Himself. The redemptive work of Christ not only saves us from sin, it summons us to serve God. And you can either serve God out of fear or duty, or you can serve Him out of love. Notice Verse 74, that He would grant to us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear. Ephesians 1, 4, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. He calls us to Himself that we might serve Him. What is robbing you today of peace? What enemies are you fighting? Is it lust and pornography? Is it anger? Is it depression, anxiety? What is the enemy that is robbing you of peace? Could it be that what robs you of peace is satisfaction with a partial Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm saved. I I know that. Um, But I'm not saved. I'm saved and I kind of want to do my own thing. You know, I don't want to get all serious about this this God stuff and, and, and give my life to Him in service. That's only a partial piece. We've been saved so that we might be summoned to God and and serve Him. That's where our peace um is no longer partial. We were created not to walk in sin, but to walk in holiness and in holiness with God. It could be that what is robbing us of peace is our reliance on ourselves. We just feel like we know what it is we ought to do. But I want to tell you again, peace is only found in God. What enemies do you have? Bring them to Christ. They are defeated enemies. There is a partial peace that we all may walk in, but if we trust God, He will lead us into a full peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there may be a time when we have to say, we have to come to the realization that, Lord, if there's going to be a greater peace in my life, I've got to trust You more than what I'm trusting You now. You know, Advent reminds us this time of year that we still have a commission, a job to do. Now, I know we're not John the Baptist, and we never will be. 
was not our calling. But we still have the opportunity to serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. Before the Lord comes to prepare His ways, to give to people knowledge of salvation, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to help them see what is the way of peace. There's a great peace, I believe, in knowing that when you serve God and you see Him work through you, that you can trust Him. That you can trust that what He calls us to do, He will equip us to do. And, And when we know that He has given us an armor to put on every day to fight our enemies, a word in order to fight Satan when he comes to us in temptation. We can truly trust this God and not fret, not worry. Sometimes we need him to teach us that. Father, we thank you again for this blessed passage of Scripture. So much here that points to your faithfulness. Lord, there may be some here today that feel that my life's pretty good. I think I can do this without without God. Help them to see that you did not go to all of this trouble in the Old Testament, being a, a covenant God that made promises, planned how you would carry out those promises and perform those promises, if they could do it themselves. It's just not possible, God, for us to do it ourselves. That's why you and your mercy made knowledge of peace available through Christ. Lord, if there are any here that don't know Christ and the peace that he gives, help them to see that all the trouble that you went to was for them. And Lord, for us that we have the peace that you give in Christ, but yet we deal with enemies on a daily basis and we try to do it in our own strength. Remind us that true peace in the battle comes through you. Draw us to our Savior, the Prince of Peace, that we might have true peace in this world. In Christ's name, amen. Now going to have a time of response. want to encourage you that if you need to make any kind of commitment today, any kind of decision, go ahead and stand. That's fine. Um, that now's the time that we would want you to do that. We're going to sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. And if you need to come forward at any time during the song, feel free to do so. We're going to sing this together. seated for a moment. I want to do two things. First of all, just give you a few updates um, on some folks on our prayer list. Um, Continue to pray for Ben. Um, Talked to him a couple times this week. One one time he wasn't, just kind of was down in the dumps. Later on he called and things were much better. But he wanted us to understand that Billy Ray Walker had been uh, taken down to Austin Heart and they'd pulled some fluid off of his heart. So excuse me, wanted us to pray for him. We're thankful that Brenda came through her surgery. Jared's mom, Brenda Dawson, she came through surgery well. They feel like they got it all. Okay, she had surgery to remove cancer from her colon, so we praise God that that went well. We want to continue to pray for Coach Todd Lang. He is, if I understand this right, the head girls basketball coach. 
has brain cancer, does not have long to live. As we understand, he's not a Christian, but uh, folks are, are witnessing to him uh, to try to, to, so that he can make a decision for the Lord. Um, I'm trying to think who else here. Does anybody have any other uh, prayer updates or prayer requests you'd like uh, to share? Yes, sir. Um, during the service, we got a text from one of our daughters that Megan and Morgan's grandfather, who is in his early 80s, had open-heart surgery a year and a half ago, something like that. And uh, they just took him to the ER with flu A, flu B, and um, pneumonia. Thank you. So just he's in the ER right now, so just pray for them. Um, we know God's in control, but, you know, okay. peace for the family and yes. health for him. So Yes, okay. All right. Any others? Well, I, w- I want to encourage you to pray for the request that we just uh, brought up. But I want to use the, the time that we have, uh, just a few moments, uh, to pray for, for uh, Mary Catherine and Eddie. Uh, they're about to leave for Kenya uh, tomorrow, and they're going to be gone until January 20th. So we want to pray that God blesses their time there. So John, Mary Catherine, Eddie, if y'all would come down. Anyone else who would like to come down and, uh, and pray for them? And um, we'll pray for them, and then we will say the Great Commission. How perfectly timed as we send you off for the Great Commission. Um, anyone else who wants to come, you're fine. You can come down while I'm praying, and that's, that's okay. But um, we want to pray for John. John, staying home. Pray for John while he's without Mary Catherine, that he makes good decisions. And uh, that they have safe travel and that the Lord uses them while, while they're in Kenya. Let's pray together. Father, how grateful we are uh, for the ministry that you have given uh, the Hope Factory and um, that you have raised up um, missionaries uh, within our own church who love to see the name of Christ lifted up, that lost people would be saved. And Lord, we send them off once again. Um, they take seriously the Great Commission. They want to see lost people come to faith. Lord, there's a lot going on uh, in Kenya with Hope Factory. And uh, we pray that, um, it, that you would just continue to bless what they are doing there. Lord, all the things that they have on their list to do, we pray that you give them favor as they do these things. I pray that as things come up that perhaps are unexpected, uh, that you would once again, as they lean on you in trust and faith, that they would find that you would open doors, remove obstacles. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe, give them travel mercies. And Lord, as you give them opportunity, let them invest in Christians and speak to those who are lost. Father, we are so grateful and humbled that you would um, use us, people who are so undeserving, to carry out your mission. But you use earthen vessels to show your glory. And so we pray, God, that you would use these earthen vessels to demonstrate your glory. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.